ever have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, registered dietitian nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Houston. We're excited to have you joining us for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. Dee, how are you today? I am amazing. <laughs> so happy to be back. How are oh, you, Sherry? Oh, yay. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Season. Oh, my God. New Decade. I know. Right? All the new. All the new. All the new. And this is Season 3. Wow. Can you believe We've been doing this for three years. That's I know. Crazy. I know. I know. I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, man, I I mean, I didn't have a lot of expectations when we started doing this. I kind of was just like, this will be fun. Let's just do it and see what happens. <laughs> and um and that's kind of how I absolutely I've... love that about you. By yeah. The way. Like, you? oh, let's just throw this up in the air. Let's see what what falls down. Let's see if it works. <laughs> you know, I like to do fun things. And I think this to me was like this opportunity to just do something that was really out of the box. And, um, and with somebody that I really like and who have I like, like thank you. we have, we have lots of differences though. And I really like that For was sure. one of the things that to me was so attractive in the very beginning about doing this with you is that the, I know that we have enough in common and, in, and I think enough chemistry <laughs> that, um, that we would have fun doing it together, but we have enough differences that I think also result in really interesting conversations. In different viewpoints. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And similar but different life experiences. And all of those things, I think, um, make for a good show. So I hope that those who've been listening with us since the beginning um, see that and still enjoy that. I guess if you're still listening, you must. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you who are new, who are just joining us this this season, season three, um, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of our older shows because we've got some great topics um, sort of, you know, back there, don't let them gather dust, like <laughs> listen to them and share if them with friends. we do say so ourselves, they yeah. are amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I think that there were some, we've had some amazing guests and For sure. talked about some controversy, which I like controversy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, the quality of our show, the, the audio quality has gotten better. For um, sure. So when you listen back at controversy, this, it's like controversy light. Yeah. Like. <laughs> oh yeah. That's true. Like we don't, we don't get into politics. No, no. But we do talk diets (laughs) a lot. (laughs) And I think that's... Diets can be political too, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There's a... We were talking about this before we started about sort of, um, you know, I think in my experience as a dietitian, food and nutrition is a lot like religion for people. And that that comes in a lot of different ways, right? Like, Food is very personal, and religion and faith is very personal, and so I think and often tied to culture. Both yes, of those things. yes, and people um, respond like viscerally to both of these things, right? For sure. You mess around with my food, I'm gonna come at you. You know, you talk smack about my <laughs> God, I'm coming after you. Like, <laughs> I think people get really protective of protective, what they. and it's very difficult to convince someone differently about those things like you could not convince me that God is not real right you just couldn't Mm -hmm. um and even if you were to give me tons of evidence from your perspective that says God is not real you're not going to be able to convince me and it's kind of the same thing about food yeah yeah and I think in in some places I see that people's dogmatic sort of adherence to certain diets or patterns of eating can become like a religion for them. You know, they refuse to do things that are in any way a departure from the way that they eat. Like they become super rigid. And in the church, we might call that legalistic, Mm -hmm. right? And they become that way about food. And I don't think that either of those is healthy. You know, I think that both of those are unhealthy. Yeah. You know, we should be able to be flexible enough um, to be able to consider other ideas, to be graceful to ourselves and other people, you know, about food and also about faith. So that's my two cents on that today. <laughs> <laughs> and it leads really beautifully into this topic. But I think 
as we begin, you know, we said Happy New Year. And I think, you know, to me, the new year is like, this is one of my favorite times of the year. You know, I love the newness of it as, you know, I love sort of the turning of the page, the flipping of the calendar, all the potential that's ahead of us. Um, you know, the 366 days this year <laughs> coming at us, you know, I mean, I just feel like there's always an opportunity for something new and good and, and also kind of like burying the past, you know, leaving it behind oh, us. Oh, for sure. The, what's crazy to me is like, okay, it, we really are just a day separate. Yeah. From last year. Oh yeah. You know, like nothing <laughs> yeah. major has really happened, but just the way that my mind works. It's like, okay, well, that is done. I can close the door on 2019. All of the bad stuff that happened, I can close the door on it. That's my closure. It's the end of the year. Let's look forward to something fresh and new and exciting and opportunistic. Yes. Yeah. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. And I think, you know, that's like the why I love the new year, but I also kind of hate the new year. Like, how would you hate it? I love hate relationship because because this is when like all the diet charlatans come out. <laughs> Get your flat tummy tea. Exactly. Exactly. You got to, you know, you got to abuse yourself in January because you overdid it in December. Like, you've got to purge everything out of your body. You can't eat anything good because you ate it all last month. Sorry. Like, you know, you got to you gotta change, change, change. And there's like this new year, new you focus that, you know, I think sometimes can be good. It's good to, like we talked about, like being able to turn the page and think things fresh. And But if you're, but I think there's also this really hardcore push toward like, abandoning yourself in January. (laughs) Where does that push come from? Like, is it coming from us? Is it coming from the diet industry? Like, where is that coming from? Mm -hmm. I think it comes from the diet industry mostly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, they're responding to customers, right? But they're responding to a demand they've created, Mm -hmm. right? Because these companies make billions of dollars selling supplements, programs, weight loss shakes, you know, um, all the things to make you feel feel like you need to lose weight. So they have to create the demand and they yeah. do that through really savvy marketing, right? I mean, and I think it's a it's it's like our whole culture and we've talked a little bit about this in the past. I think it's comes from marketing of these products, but it's reinforced in lots of other places in our life, right? Television, um, magazines, internet, you know, social ads. media. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at Instagram. Instagram, I love Instagram. And if you follow me on Instagram, you see that I love to post pictures of food because I love to eat and cook and I like food to be pretty. And <laughs> and so I like to share that because I think it's inspirational and it inspires me. But there are also things on social media that I'm like, I want blinders. Like, I want a filter. And I have that. You know, it's the unfollow button. <laughs> and there, there, But I think that there's this, uh, if you look because at... Because you see that it's influencing you or like... Yeah. I mean, there, there are things I can look at on social media that make me feel bad about myself. And I think I have a pretty healthy self-image. Like, I like my body. I like myself. I, you know, I think I'm okay. <laughs> but, if, but you know, if I'm cute. Yeah. But if I look enough at social media, if I spend enough time, you know, investing and in letting those messages come into my brain, it's going to mm-hmm. have an effect on me too, right? I find myself thinking, oh, you know, am I experiencing the middle-aged spread? You know, am, <laughs> do I need to like, I often swipe up uh-huh. on like skincare directed toward women of a certain age. <laughs> I, I can't help it, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. And I so I think that, you know, who's driving the demand or who's giving us those messages? It is, I think, a combination of those. And and with social media, I think it's really important to recognize that a lot of influencers are getting paid to deliver those messages, too. You know, some of it, I'm sure, is legit, like it's their true experiences. And I don't think that they're, most of them are lying about about their opinions, but I do think that they're getting they're getting money to tell you how great this product is and how great it's made them look and feel. And you're gonna look at that and go, well, I wanna feel, I wanna feel great. I wanna look great. Like they, look how good they look. I wanna look like that too. Mm-hmm. And so I think that some of it is that. And and then also, you know, these companies again, they make millions of dollars. There are new diet books literally every month, every week that are published in the United States. And you know, those there are people buying those books, you know? So we're always... New diets are kind of recycled. Both. Yeah, both. I mean, mm. new new diets or, yeah, lots of recycled stuff. 
<laughs> now, I often say in nutrition, like when we look at nutrition recommendations, and not a whole lot has changed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we look at, I have these great books that uh, I inherited from my husband's grandmother, who was a home economics um, graduate and teacher. How cool. I know. Isn't that fun? <laughs> and she was really into, uh, food and health and natural health. And so she, so I got all these really neat books that were published in the forties and fifties and sixties. And I look back at them and a lot of them are some of the same things that we say now. Really? Yeah. For more fruits and vegetables, whole grains, you know, it was, it's really beautiful stuff to read. And I'm like, oh, Yes, this is it. <laughs> but then there's also some really strange things that I'm like, oh, what? There's a lot of organ meats and things like that, which are not bad I was about necessarily. To say, but I thought that organ meats were kind of healthy for you. Some of them can't. Yeah, they can be in moderation. Yeah, mm. but they're also really high in cholesterol and saturated fat usually. Mm. So we have to be mindful of that as well. The dietary cholesterol is arguably not as bad as we thought. But anyway. I think it's, you know, so that's kind of why the the new year for me can be really a downer because I see all this stuff. And then also I go out and I'm spending time with people, you know, earth people, non-nutrition people, people. <laughs> <laughs> non-nutrition people, people who don't live this space all the time. I was like, when did you leave the planet? <laughs> and, the, and, and inevitably... I'm with people in a food environment and there are people who are fasting or who are doing keto or who are doing, you know, whole 30 and they're not eating the food that we're sharing or, you know, they're, 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 they just seem in a lot of cases, not always, but sometimes they're miserable. <laughs> they're not drinking alcohol and everybody else is having a cocktail. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, that's just not, that's, it makes me unhappy for them. That that you know, like, so they must be talking oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really funny. Like, the <laughs> because it's fun to go to a yeah. party, you're on some yeah. kind of special diet and right. you go to enjoy the totally atmosphere fine. with the people yes. and you have fun while you're there. But if you're there and you're kind of miserable yeah. because you're like, Oh, I'm doing this thing and I can't have this. Yeah. Child stay at home. Yeah. Or they're <laughs> martyring. Like I love yeah. the martyring to me. That's like, <laughs> You got to tell everybody, like, I can't have a cocktail because I'm doing dry January or whatever. It's like, you know, just order a mocktail. Nobody cares. Yeah. Like, I don't need to hear it. But but it's really funny. And it's also, to me, it's kind of sad because I think, like, you know, I see people making these concessions or – and, you know, first of all, I do want to say, like, if you want to do a detox or you want to do something, like, fine, whatever. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think you're a bad person. Yeah. I don't think there's something wrong with you. Like, I think it's fine. I mean, there have been – I've done a sugar detox. I'm not going to do it again, but I have done it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think there's nothing wrong with those things in and, in and of themselves if that's what you want to do. But I think this idea that we have to do it or that we need to do it because our bodies are not, you know, functioning right or or we are punishing ourselves for what we did in December. That part of it is what really bothers me is because I feel like that mentality isn't healthy. You know, mm -hmm. you're not broken unless your kidneys are broken, which they could be, but it's pretty unlikely. Like most people who listen to the show probably have functioning kidneys. They probably have a liver that works really well. And if you didn't, you would know. You would know. Okay. Yeah, you would know pretty soon. Like You would know. <laughs> So most people's bodies are doing for them what they need to do. And do we need more moderation in our life? Maybe so, you know. Do we need to focus more on exercise and healthy eating? Maybe so. You know, in December can be a month when we have, you know, lots of, all of extra. The I ate all of the things <laughs> yeah. and enjoyed them. Yeah, exactly. And so refocusing in January isn't a bad thing. And I don't want people to listen to me and be like, what is wrong with her? Like, you know, I, that's not what I mean at all. I think that that's perfectly wonderful. And also, like, it's okay to still enjoy the things that you enjoy. And food is a very important part of our social experience. And if you're doing something that makes it uh, impossible for you to enjoy food with your friends and your family, that's a problem in my opinion. I just don't, I don't think that that's a healthy approach. Mm -hmm. So all that said, that is what makes me crazy about <laughs> January. That may, that does make me crazy. But I know that, you know, again, a lot of people are thinking about weight loss and they're thinking about uh, getting on a healthier diet or getting back to some healthy habits. So I don't want to not give people tools. 
So I give us the tools. I think that that's what we're going to do. But I do want to say also point people back to, you know, last year we did an episode with Kathleen Zellman from yes. WebMD and we talked about fad diets and it was a great episode. So if you're interested in these specific, some of the most popular specific fad diets. We talked about things like Whole30, Paleo. We talked about Keto. We talked about fasting. Yeah, intermittent fasting. So if you're interested in sort of a dietitian's take on those, I mean, I think she is definitely somebody I would turn to to say, hey, what do you think about these things? And she gave us her true opinion about it and what the research says. So I'll put the link to that show in the show notes from this show, and you can go back and listen to it, or you can just look at it, you know, find it on um, iTunes or on Stitcher, however you're listening to us, you can find it. So with that said, some tools. I mean, I do think that it is a good thing in January to sort of refocus our brains and our, our hearts and our minds, and, um, and how can we do that? Well, if you're thinking about food and diet and nutrition, and that's really your focus in January, or if that's something you want to be your focus, I think that there are some healthy ways of eating out there that we can lean into, that we can incorporate if we're not already, that can make a big difference. And um, every year, U.S. News & World Report pulls together a whole bunch of experts, and they ask them to rank the most popular diets and to to tell why they're the best and why they recommend them. And they published that in January. And so mm -hmm. it's just come out in the last few weeks. And um, I thought maybe we'd talk about some of the top ones, if that sounds good sounds to you. Sounds great. What I was most interested in was how often does the top 10 change? So if you're thinking yeah. about, you know, you've seen diet books from the 40s and it's mm -hmm, pretty I know. much the same recommendations. How often does that top 10 really change? Yeah, it, it changes periodically. I will say from year to year, there are a lot of the same diets recommended in the top 10 okay. and they may change order you know so mm -hmm. maybe one year you've got one that's a number one and the next year number two is number one or they may shift a little bit up and down but in general uh they pretty they stay pretty consistent because the research stays pretty consistent mm -hmm. you know we don't generally have a lot of huge breakthroughs in nutrition research from year to year we know a lot already. I mean, there are definitely things we don't know and things we're still learning and things that we thought we knew that have changed. And that's what should happen, right? I mean, science changed. When we learn something new, our recommendations should change. But these diets, these ways of eating in general are pretty consistently the top 10 um, from year to year. And there are some newer things on here that I think are interesting. And I'll talk about some of those when we get there. Okay. So the number one uh, best diet, according to U.S. News and World Report's expert panel, is what do you think? Da -da -da -da. <laughs> you have it in front of you. I so. do. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite way of eating that I talk about a lot on the show, the Mediterranean diet. <laughs> yes. And I heard about the Mediterranean diet probably, I don't know if it was for the first time about five years ago, but definitely started to hear a lot about it um, with regards to uh, preventing Alzheimer's. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, the Mediterranean diet is really like a very loose kind of um, collection of ways of eating, types of food, patterns that obviously from the name, you know, sort of take from many different cultures that all live around the Mediterranean Sea. And so it's a diet that's heavy in fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, fish and seafood, and then has less um, meat and animal products. It doesn't exclude them completely, but it has less of them. It also typically includes, obviously, olive oil. You know, I think that's one of the most well-known um, parts of the Mediterranean diet, and it can include wine or alcohol. Um, it doesn't include them in huge amounts, of course. But the thing about the Mediterranean diet that I love too, and if you read enough about it or you, one of my my favorite resources for Mediterranean diet information is Old Ways, and I'll mm. include a link to this organization as well. Um, the thing about the Mediterranean diet is they don't just talk about food. They also talk about other things like physical activity as a part of your lifestyle, not just exercise, but moving more. You know, if you think about these cultures in the Mediterranean, they do a lot of walking, you know, and we don't do a lot of walking. So it's not just about the food. It's also about some of those other things. And it's about social context, too. So social connections, you know, mm -hmm. having friends and family and being near them and communicating with them regularly and not just on, you know, 
the internet or email or text. You know, it's about being face to face with people. And food is kind of a social, creating a social environment around yes. food. That's exactly it. And I think Rather that's... Rather than the way that we do it, we eat in front of the TV. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's, I think, why I think this whole idea of like making these big uh, concessions in January, restrictions in January drives me a little bit crazy because we're coming out of December where we're all so socially connected and we're spending all this time together. And yeah, we're eating a lot together. But then in January, it's like if we get together around food, it's like, oh, you know, you're going to have like 16 people who can't eat. <laughs> it's like I don't host any dinner parties in January because I'm like, forget it. I'm not going to try to accommodate everybody. Now I'm going to say like if you've got olives and water, right? <laughs> if you have a legitimate, you know, food allergy or a sense Sensitivity sure. or a problem with food, I am happy to accommodate you anytime. But for those people who just like give up gluten in January, I'm like, no, mm -mm, you can't come. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's number one, the Mediterranean diet, which I adore. And there are lots of great books um, on Mediterranean diet. Why do um, you adore it? Why? Because it's delicious. Okay. I think I love it because it's a delicious way of eating, you know, beautiful food. If you think about like, you know, um, platters of roasted vegetables or grilled vegetables with, you know, delicious like olive oil based um, sauces poured over them, you know, lots of fresh herbs. But if you've never pesto. eaten that way mm -hmm. um it can be kind of intimidating mm. you know what I mean yeah. so like I have all of these really fancy balsamic vinegars mm -hmm. and olive oils yeah in my pantry <laughs> ask I have probably six bottles of different things ask me if I've opened them <laughs> oh gosh I haven't because uh -huh. I'm like I don't know how to combine yeah. these flavors to make it taste good and I don't want to waste yeah the money that I've yeah. spent on this you know, expensive sure. product. Yeah. So for somebody like me that, you know, this wasn't the way that I grew up eating. Yeah. Um, I see the the books and they're beautiful and I see the platters, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. Where do I go? Yeah. So if you've got, I mean, really fancy olive oils and balsamic vinegars or other types of vinegars, those are finishing products anyway. So you don't have to do anything special with them, you know, yeah. roast your vegetables or grill your vegetables with some salt and some, and some pepper. And maybe you add some herbs and maybe you don't, you know, you can keep it as simple as you want to, and then drizzle on those beautiful finishing products, the oils and the vinegars. And that's enough. You're going to get an incredible flavor from that. Okay. Or you can use a lot of those are really good for dipping, you know, so you, so if it's a really good fruity, beautiful green, yellow olive oil, you know, you can just pour a little bit in a dish. Spicy olive oil. Yeah, <laughs> pour a little bit in a dish, you know, drizzle on a little bit of that balsamic vinegar and then dip your bread into it, you know, or even dip your vegetables into it. I mean, that that's a really delicious way to enjoy those products specifically. But I would say like I love the I love to cook and I don't mind spending the time to prepare you know, complex dishes. That to me is fun and I enjoy it. Not everybody does and that's okay. You can still eat in a Mediterranean fashion in a very simple way. You know, fruits and vegetables, as I mentioned, you know, can be prepared simply. They don't need to have a lot of things added to them in order to be a Mediterranean style. And really it's looking at, you know, the proportion of the food that we're eating that is plant-based. I mean, that really is, I think, the, the key to the Mediterranean diet. Yeah, it's some of those other things that we've talked about, but it's also looking at how can I create a base of eating that's focused primarily on fruits and vegetables and then includes other foods in smaller quantities and includes more seafood and fish. To me, that's like that to me is the is sort of the magic of the Mediterranean diet. I think it tastes great. I mean, I love fruits and vegetables, whole grains, beans, seeds, nuts. Those to me are like delicious foods that I can just eat them all the time and be happy. Have you always eaten that way? Mm, no, probably not. I mean, I, I don't think so. Not growing up, you know, my mom worked full time and I, she was a single mom. So she wasn't cooking like that for me. And I didn't know how to cook until I was in my 20s. So, no. I mean, so I, is it like when you started learning to cook that you started to cook this way? It kind of evolved or? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I always liked fruits and I probably liked many vegetables, not all vegetables growing up. I, I was not a super picky eater um, as a kid and I liked sugar a lot like most kids. And <laughs> so I ate a lot of sweets and, you know, I, I think I ate very typically, you know, 
soda, sweet cereals, those kinds of things, convenience foods, because my mom was full-time working, you know, and she did a great job and she, she cooked as much as she could. And, um, she made a good example for me as, you know, as best she could, but, but also I was on my own a lot, you know, and Mm -hmm. so we ate a lot of convenient foods. I mean, hamburger helper, macaroni and cheese from the box, all of those things, (laughs) you know, that just made life easier for her and for me. And I was happy to eat them and I liked them and I still like some of those foods, you know, so But I think as I got older, definitely my palate changed and Mm -hmm. my interest in food changed. So as a teenager, now I will say in my late teens, I became a vegetarian. And so I started eating more fruits and vegetables because I was a vegetarian. I was eating more plant-based foods because I was I was a vegetarian. So I was Mm -hmm. eating less meat. I had to eat more of those other things. And I'm sure that in the beginning, I probably was eating a diet that was very carb heavy, like, um, you know, breads and pastas and yeah, things like that for sure. Um, But then as I grew in my interest and um, started to eat more fruits and vegetables, the shift happened for me probably really naturally. And then in my 20s, I think I don't know if I've shared this before on the show or not, but I had a boyfriend who was, um, (laughs) he worked in fine dining. And so I got the chance to eat like in some of the nicest restaurants in Atlanta. And I was like, oh, like this this is amazing. This, I didn't know that (laughs) vegetables could taste like this. Exactly. And then when I stopped seeing him, I was like, wait, wait. (laughs) I was like, I got, exactly. I got cut off. I had to learn to cook. Because I wanted to eat like that and I couldn't afford to eat like that. So I wanted to – now Now we will say most of the time I don't eat gourmet food. I'm not preparing gourmet food. But I learned to prepare food in a in as simple a manner as possible but also as flavorful. Easy. Yes, exactly. And incorporate ingredients that maybe I didn't know that much about like spices and herbs and things like that. All right. Well, I'm going to open one of those bottles. All right. Good for you. Send me a picture. I want to know what it is. I will. I'll post one. <laughs> so the second one, um, number two on the list of U.S. News and World Report top diets, um, number the number two is actually a tie. So is um, the DASH diet and the flexitarian approach to eating. So let's talk about the DASH diet first, and then we'll talk about flexitarian. So DASH diet, DASH stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. And this is a... It was actually a clinically developed diet to help um, address hypertension or high blood pressure. So for people who have high blood pressure or who are predisposed to developing high blood pressure because they have a family history or they have some other um, risk factor, the DASH diet is a great way to eat. And the DASH diet is essentially a Mediterranean type diet that's been somewhat modified to address um hypertension. So it's going to be low sodium and it's going to include more dairy um, because there's some protective effect for dairy. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. So that's the DASH diet. And um, there are lots of great books about it. Is it a sad it. diet? No. You said low sodium. Huh. Well, it's not sad. It's not sad, <laughs> but it does lean more into like herbs and spices as ways to flavor food and, gotcha. and reducing the amount of sodium. Because really there is, you know, there's some arguments about sodium and how it affects high blood pressure. But the reality is that, you know, we know that there are people who are genetically predisposed to developing high blood pressure. And if we can reduce their sodium intake, we may not be able to completely prevent them from developing high blood pressure down the road, but we can delay it. And you can probably delay some of the damage that comes from high blood pressure. So it's a good thing to do, especially if you know that you have a history of heart disease or high blood pressure in your family. It's a good thing to go ahead and start thinking about how to reduce sodium in your diet. And Is the dash diet between sodium and high blood pressure just because of water retention or? I, you know, I can't, I, I'm not going to lie. I can't remember all mm. of the exact mechanisms for why um, sodium increases blood pressure. It definitely has something to do with, with fluids I think there are other things as well. Okay. I can, I'll, I'll try to find a good resource and put it on the, on the show notes. Um, so then after dash diet or in tied with that, the dash diet is the flexitarian approach. And so, you know, I love the idea of flexitarian and I think the flexitarians maybe like my second favorite. Yeah, like exactly. It's eating while you're stretching. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's like flexitarian speaks to this idea that you can eat vegetarian some of the time and not other times. Like it's incorporating a flexible way of eating that's primarily maybe vegetarian, but not exclusively vegetarian. Mm. And I think that's a really good way to eat too. You know, again, thinking about how we can, the more, you know, eating more fruits and vegetables, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, these foods are concentrated sources of nutrition. So lots of vitamins, minerals, fiber, 
but not a lot of not as calorie dense as like meats and dairy foods are. So it does I don't think that you have to eliminate meats and dairy to be a healthy person. I don't think that at all. And in fact, I think may, there are lots of benefits to eating those foods that we shouldn't ignore. You can choose not to eat them, but I don't think that there's a health reason to exclude them for most people. Um, so, I, but I do think that the more fruits and vegetables, the more plant based we eat, the healthier our lifestyle is going to be, or the healthier our bodies are going to be in the long term for most people. So this flexitarian approach is something I think people who like the idea of a vegetarian diet, but don't really want to be vegetarian, <laughs> it gives them a little bit more permission um, to eat and not feel restricted. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably where I will end up yeah. as a flexitarian. Yeah. I think that's a great place to be. And there's yeah. some really good books that speak to this approach as well. And I'll recommend, I'll make some recommendations on the show notes. The next one is probably the one that most people know about, and this company is spending a lot of money right now in January advertising, and that is Weight Watchers, now called WW. Um, the Weight Watchers approach has changed a lot over the years. You know, they've they've moved away from being quite as restrictive as they had been in the past, and as moved away from as much of a focus on. Um, low-fat, low-cal um, kinds of foods to a more, um, I think, a more flavorful approach that even sometimes seems to mimic a Mediterranean approach. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that if you're looking for something and you need structure and you need accountability, it, I think that, that Weight Watchers is not a bad way to go. And I have recommended it in the past to people who are really just focused on weight loss. That's their, really their only goal. I would rather somebody do that than go to like one of those quick weight loss type um, medical centers or, um, or do some sort of a, a fasting diet or a, a liquid diet, you know, like, uh, you know, not to bash slim fast, but something like that. I mean, I would rather people do something like Weight Watchers because the thing about Weight Watchers that I do think is really positive is it does reinforce good habits. It helps you learn good habits. And if you have no idea where to start, I think Weight Watchers is not a bad place to start. I have tried Weight Watchers. I mm -hmm. did it for, I think I got a membership for like 30 days just to see. Yeah. Um, and I will say that that's how it most helped me was mm -hmm. not necessarily, I don't know that I lost any weight on it, but, um, it did help me identify a better style of eating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I have to stay within this point range. I can have this burger, but that's <gasps> all I'm eating today. <laughs> I do that. So yeah. it just kind of reinforced having a, a healthier way of eating yes. and still having, you know, treats. Yeah. And I think that, you know, they, they have like an online program now, so you don't have to go to in-person meetings, but I actually feel like the in-person meetings are probably one of I the best things about it. I wasn't going to the in-person <laughs> meetings. You're not weighing me in front of everybody. Oh gosh. Do they still do that? I have no idea. Oh, I, I don't, I don't like that. I didn't know that. I don't like that. I, they probably don't. Oh, but, I hope not. That's yeah. terrible. I do think that, um, that one of the things that we know about people who lose weight and keep it off, one of the common characteristics is that they have support. Mm -hmm. And so support can mean like I've got a best friend that I walk with or, you know, most of my friends are also seeking a healthy lifestyle or in our house, we as a family have decided to be healthier and this is what we're doing. So if you don't have that, like Weight Watchers might provide that for you, you know, a support group of people that you can meet every week and talk with and get tips to manage your, you know, struggles and learn about strategies for eating healthier and living a healthier lifestyle. So I'm not opposed to Weight Watchers. I think if it's something you want to try, there's no there's no reason not to try it, mm -hmm. especially if you've tried some other things on your own and you haven't been successful. This might be an option for you. And it's number four on the U.S. News and World Report list. So then the next one is the Mayo Clinic diet, which um, most people probably don't know about, but it is also a sort of a Mediterranean type diet that's very focused on fruits and vegetables, whole grains, mostly seafood, very little meat, using meat mostly as a condiment. That's really kind of how they approach that food. is hilarious to me. Yeah. Like meat is ketchup. What is <laughs> that mean? I shouldn't say like a condiment, maybe like a compliment, just like very small amounts of meat, but mostly fruits and vegetables. And I have a Mayo Clinic diet cookbook that I really like mm. that is actually very, it's very, I think I bought it like, it's probably more than 10 years old, but it's very much in line with the same things that we've, the concepts we've already talked about. 
So it's one that's out there. Um, and it is actually number five and is tied with two other types of diets. So it's Mayo Clinic. And then the next one that's listed is the Mind Diet. And um, the Mind Diet. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Oh, well, you mentioned Alzheimer's and the Mediterranean diet. Yeah. Well, the Mind Diet was specifically designed with cognitive decline in mind. Mind. The MIND mm. diet. And I can't remember what MIND stands for, but it's Mediterranean something. And um, it is primarily a vegetarian diet, but it also um, incorporates some very specific uh, rules, if you will, for foods to include every week and foods to um, limit or exclude. And red meat is one of those things that's significantly limited as well as alcohol. Those are a couple of things that are very limited on the mind to diet. Doesn't mean they're completely excluded, but it does mean that they're very limited. And some people who follow the mind diet very strictly really do adhere to a vegetarian diet, basically. Not everybody, and that's not required, I don't think, to follow the mind diet, but it is very, it's much more structured than some of these other ways of eating. Like the Mediterranean diet to me is very fluid. Mm -hmm. And I like that because I'm, I can manage that. I'm, I think I, I mean, I'm a dietitian. So for me, it's different than it is for somebody who maybe doesn't have as much nutrition knowledge. It's not as intuitive. So if you're somebody who needs more uh, structure and also has a history of, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's or is concerned about cognitive decline, the mind diet might be one to consider. There's very good research that supports it. And I like it. I think it's a flavorful way to eat. And um, it includes nuts and seeds. You know, some of those really good fats that I think sometimes we don't get enough of are included in this diet, as well as like berries and very um, phytonutrient rich foods. Mm. So it's a fun one, and there's and there's some good books out on it that have come out just in the last few years that I think are really good. And then the other one that's um, number five, that's tied at number five, which is actually the sixth one on the list, is uh, Volumetrics, the Volumetrics Diet. And I mentioned to you, Dee, earlier that I... I was surprised to see this on the list. I don't know why, but um, but because it's something I learned about when I was a student. When I was becoming a dietitian, we talked about the volumetrics diet and the research behind it. And essentially, the idea is that the, you fill up on foods that are high in water and fiber so that you eat less of the calorie-dense foods that might cause you to gain weight. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it um, with you know, as the volumetrics diet, mm -hmm. but I'd heard of the concept and yeah. I, it's something that I incorporate. So yeah. like, um, last week I love, uh, udon noodles mm -hmm. and they have them in the cafeteria once a week at the building that I work in. And so I always get like two scoops of their, uh, roasted vegetables. And then I put the udon noodles on top of oh, it. Oh, that's smart. And it's just a way of being able to get the flavor from the noodles, but then it makes it big enough for me to feel full on. Yeah. Because if I ate, you know, the little bit of noodles that I put in there, I would not be full. Yeah, absolutely. And so the the research, this, this sort of research shows that people eat about the same amount of volume of food each day. Um, our stomachs have sensors in them that signal fullness when they reach a certain capacity of stretch is the idea. And mm. that tells our brain, stop eating, our tummies are full. Um, so this idea of the volumetrics diet is not new, but it's, um, it is, it's evidence-based. It's a scientific approach. Is it perfect? I'm not sure. And is it, does it work for everyone? I'm not sure. I've, I've have one of the books and two of the books and, um, have read them and, and I like the research. And I think for some people it might work really well. Um, if you look at the volumetrics diet, it also gives like a lot of recipes and suggestions on specific foods to eat. But it's more focused on weight and less focused on other aspects of health. So it's not my favorite one, but I think mm -hmm. it, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, and then the, the next one is number six on the list because we've had all those ties. Um, it's called the Therapeutic Lifestyle Diet or the TLC Diet. And Never heard of that. <laughs> this one is also a, a clinical diet that was developed specifically for reducing cholesterol. So it is, um, it is also very plant-based. It's focused on healthy fats, specific nutrients. So eating in a way that increases some specific nutrients that we know can help reduce cholesterol, things like fiber, vitamin E, niacin, those kinds of things. So nuts and seeds and whole grains are pretty heavily focused on in this approach. 
I'm taking notes. Oh, That's yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the link. So. <laughs> and then the next one is uh, number nine on the list. Number nine, there there are, uh, there's a tie. So number nine is the tie. And the it's the Nordic diet. I've never heard of that one either. And Dean Ornish's fish. diet. Yes, it <laughs> is. So the Nordic diet, I hadn't, I didn't really know much about it either. And so I went back and read about it. And I know a little bit about it because I have some, um, some colleagues and some uh, acquaintances in the industry in nutrition who work in uh, dairy in, in, in the dairy industry and they make a product that's a Nordic based product right mm. so it's like a, 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 a fermented dairy product and so they're focused on this Nordic diet and essentially yes it is a seafood heavy diet it is a diet that focuses on fermented foods um, some fruits and vegetables, if you think about sort of where this part of the world is, it's very northern, so they don't have a long growing season, and their their types of fruits and vegetables are a little bit different. But there's a lot of fermented food, a lot of preserved foods, also a lot of seafood, and a lot of fermented dairy. So I think this is an interesting way to eat. I'm not sure I would be personally satisfied eating that way all of the time, because I like a more Mediterranean approach, and that includes a lot more fresh fruits and vegetables and those kinds of things. And in the U.S., we have a lot lots of access in general. That's not always the case, but in general, we have a lot of access to fresh fruits and vegetables. So to me that this is not a bad way to eat, but it's not, it wouldn't be my first choice mm. personally. Um, and then likewise, the Dean Ornish diet is here at, at number nine and Dean Ornish is a cardio cardiologist in California and he has a um, center where they focus on reversing cardiovascular disease. So not just stopping it, but actually reversing it. And they do that with a vegan diet. So this diet, is going to be a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, no meat, um, very, <laughs> very. My face, I know it just changed because I was like, yeah. oh, that sounds fascinating. You said vegan. I was like, mm, <laughs> it's not for everybody, but the, it has some clinical benefit. I mean, some very clear benefit um, that has shown an ability to reverse heart disease for some people really cool. if you can, if you can stick to it. And in fact, famously, Bill Clinton did this. So he worked with Dean Ornish after he had, um, after his presidency. I think he had some heart. He, I don't know if he had a heart attack or if he had, he, he definitely, did. I was did just he have bypass? To, he had bypass. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listening to a podcast yeah. where they talked about Bill Clinton mm -hmm. in particular about, yeah. yeah, you know, it's fine. You continue to, to eat that way. Yeah. And then he came back to the doctor after having a bypass and was yeah. like, okay, I'm ready to change. Yeah. And that's when you saw his yeah. health turn around. Really. Yeah. And he lost a ton of weight. He did. And so he worked with Dean Ornish. Um, and I don't know if he still does. And a long time ago, originally Dean Ornish's plan was like, like very, very low, like 10% fat total. It was extremely low fat, no oils, you know, very like not much nuts. I mean, he was just, he didn't even like include much in the way of healthy fats. Now we know more about the science around healthy fats and how beneficial they can be. And his diet has loose up a little bit and it used to not allow avocado for instance and now it does mm. so there he's done a good job I think of changing some with the science and if you can if you can stick to this diet then it can be extremely effective if you've got cardiovascular disease but most people can't or choose not to stick to it either can't do it or don't want to do it because it is much more restrictive um, but it is evidence-based and then the last one is a vegetarian diet so the last one on this list would be number 10 it is um, a vegetarian diet and that's you know obviously no animal no meat um, but might still include some animal products so vegetarian can be uh, lacto ovo so can still include eggs and dairy or can be completely without um, dairy, but might still include some items that vegans might not eat. So vegans might not eat honey, but a vegetarian would eat honey. Gotcha. So yeah, so those are the 10. And um, I think that, you know, when we think about these ways of eating, these approaches to eating, um, the things that they have in common to me are the things that we can take away and go, okay, how can I incorporate these into my lifestyle? And maybe you're going to want to look at one of these specific ways of eating and try to follow that one specific way of eating. Or maybe you're going to look at it like I do and say, okay, what are the things that I can take away from this that are really um, commonalities that are beneficial? Well, we know all of these approaches have the the thing in common that they're all plant-based. They're all plant-based diets. They all include lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains. They're all going to be um, very filling diets, you know, because they're going to be very high in fiber. 
they're all going to be uh, ways of eating that I think can satisfy you as far as flavor as well. You know, they're all going to be tasty ways to eat. When you say plant-based, does that just mean, you know, at least 50% of your calories are coming from fruits and vegetables or? Yeah. I mean, greater I, than that? I think it could even be greater than that. Yeah. It can no, be. No, does it have to be? Like, well, I'm like, can I claim a plant-based diet <laughs> if I eat 55% of my calories? Yeah. Yeah. Food? I think okay. you can. I mean, I think that there, there's, there's not a specific definition for plant-based. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of where people can become, be kind of confused when they hear about plant-based. It sounds really good. And right now it's very trendy and buzzworthy, but is it, like, what does that exactly mean? Yeah, and I think that that, dif- that differs based on who you ask. I mean, I think any of these ways of eating would be considered a plant-based approach. So, yeah, it's most of your food is coming from plant sources. So it's those fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds. Those are beans and legumes, pulses. Those are the things that are plant-based. Um, and then everything else, you know, dairy, meat, seafood, um, are eaten in much smaller quantities. doesn't mean that they have to be excluded, although they could be, as we've talked about, but they don't have to be excluded. And I think um, there's enough research that shows that this way of eating leads to better health, lower disease, better resiliency if you do get disease. And I think the to me, you know, at, at 46, you know, I'm looking at like, I'm, I've got another 40 years at least to live, right? So I want to live those 40 years as healthy as possible. This is the way that you're going to do that, I think. I mean, I think the evidence is overwhelming that these approaches to eating do lead to the best short-term and long-term outcomes. So which was the worst diet on the list? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the worst diet is not going to surprise you, I don't think. Um, But it'll take me a second to get there. Um, It is... Okay, you might not have heard about this, but the Dukin diet this is a very I've heard yeah. that before. I can't remember what it means, though. It's a very restrictive way of eating that focuses on protein, and um, it is. I think it has a, it limits carbs um, in a very significant way. So it's sort of another low carb diet. But it also has some other wacky things that I can't remember all the details. I actually bought the book at the at the Goodwill because I was like, I had heard somebody talking about it, so I bought it. And then I read through it, and I was like, this is this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, this just doesn't make any sense. So all of the diets that are at the bottom of the list, not all of them, but most of them are low-carb, high-protein diets that focus a lot more on animal products than they do on fruits and vegetables. So so the Dukin diet was the lowest, and then after that was um, keto, or above that was keto. So oh, keto right is also, yeah, yeah, almost the last diet, number 34 on the list of 35 was keto. So um, I know that there are a lot of people who do that and there are a lot of people who've had successful weight loss with it. But when we think about overall health, and that's really what this this is looking at, it's not just weight loss, it's what's the best way of eating for overall health. And yes, it might result in weight loss, it might not, you know, I mean, I think you don't have to lose weight in order to be healthier. And I think that's something people need to hear and know is, you know, can weight loss be helpful in your health journey? Yes. Is it necessary for everyone? No. So can you be healthier at the weight you're at? Absolutely. You can also get healthier at the weight that you're at. Yes. I'm raising my hand because (laughs) like metabolically, my numbers are better than they've ever been except for one number. Um, (laughs) Better than they've ever been, but my weight has not changed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, that that's important for people to recognize. Mm-hmm. Number 32 on the list is the Atkins diet. So, again, thinking about that, like, you know, um, sort of high-protein restrictive diet. And then, the, then the, the one that's in between, keto and Atkins, is Whole30, which I was kind of surprised that about. Because I hear a lot of people, you know, I think that there are – things about the Whole30 approach that I don't think are bad. It is a very, there's a good heavy focus on whole foods and mm-hmm. I like that, but it does restrict grains and it does restrict um, dairy. And those are two important 
ways that we eat or, or uh, food groups that we typically include and eat in the in the diet in the U.S. that provide lots of nutrients, right? That if you just eliminate them, you're not necessarily going to get them from other other foods that you eat. You have to be very intentional if you're going to eliminate those. And it's unnecessary, you know, it's, it's unnecessary to do that for most people. Unless you have an allergy, unless you have some sort of a, an intolerance or a sensitivity, there's no reason to leave those foods out. So I think, you know, I, I don't disagree that that one's to me is on the lower end of the list. But when it comes to a fad diet, if you're going to do a fad diet, Whole30 might be the one <laughs> that I would have the least argument against. And then the paleo um, approach came in at 29th. So also very low on the list was the paleo diet, which is, of course, very meat focused, also restricts grains and legumes and dairy. So um, eliminates foods that we know are associated with good health, which doesn't make sense if you really look at the research. And then another one that I thought was really interesting near the bottom is the raw food diet, which kind of hadn't really I hadn't really seen that one pop up in a while. And it's essentially like people just eat. Um, it's a vegetarian approach where people don't cook any of the food that they eat. They just eat it all raw. So if it's vegetarian, why would it be so low on the list? Is mm. it because of bioavailability? Yeah, of I think so. Are cooked, mm -hmm. or? Yeah. And also that it's extremely difficult to follow. It's an it's a very difficult to follow diet. You know, you you can't. It's very difficult to eat out. It's difficult to eat in social situations. So again, you know, this isn't just about short term benefit. It's also about long term. Is this something that we can do for a long time? And I think that one's completely unsustainable for most people in the mm -hmm. long term. So yeah, so I will post the link to the full list if you want to know every single diet that was considered on the thirty five. And um, yeah, this has been a fun, fun conversation. I hope that you, um, listening public, have enjoyed this conversation and are inspired and encouraged to eat better, but also recognize that it doesn't have to be super rigid, super restrictive. You don't have to give up the, you know, the foods that you love, although you do have to eat things in moderation, right? That's just kind of life. Um, we can't, I can't, I can't take away the, uh, the, the calories or the consequences of our actions, <laughs> but, but I think that having some freedom to be able to enjoy the foods that we love, that to me is part of healthy eating as well. So it's not just about fruits, vegetables, and vitamins, right? It's also about enjoying food and enjoying sharing food with the people that we love. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all that I wanted to talk about today in the way of 2020, starting the year out healthy, thinking about food and nutrition, rejecting the diet culture, <laughs> <laughs> looking at food as more than just food. Um, and as we close out today, we have our question we end every show with, and that is, what is one thing you're going to do to be healthier today, Dee? Well, I, I was going to go hike the mountain, but it's so cold and rainy outside. So I think I'm just going to go home and ride my Peloton. Mm, <laughs> you and your Peloton. I love my Peloton. I it's know fun. you do. <laughs> I, You know what? I saw that they have a new kind of uh, app or something that you can download, like a Peloton app for running and other exercise. Well, that's what I which did is cool. before. Oh, you before did? Before I got the I bike, I used, I was just a digital user uh -huh. um, and I used it with my treadmill that ah. is not the treadmill. But okay. It's just, I think it's very similar to yours. Okay. Um, and basically did their running programs and walking programs. Oh. They also have yoga, meditation, all of that stuff. Cool. And you can even do the app with a non-Peloton bike. It's just not connected. Okay. Okay. So this is not a Peloton commercial, it's but not. Peloton, if you want to sponsor <laughs> our show, we'd be happy to have you. <laughs> all right. So for me, what I am going to do today is, um, gosh, I think I have had such a fun time the last week cleaning out my closets and clearing things out as you know, Dee. I have, I, so now I have like my entire, the back of my car is full of stuff that needs to go to donate. Um, so for my mental health, I'm going to try to get that stuff out of my car and get things put back together because my house is a little bit of a disaster because sometimes you have to make a mess to clean it up. <laughs> it's not a disaster. Oh, it is. It is. It is. For me, it is. Yeah. And I want to, I want to get it back in order and, you know, so that we can start next week much cleaner and clearer. Yeah. Fabulous. Yes, that's it. All right. So happy 2020, girlfriends. We're so happy you're with us. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, share it with a friend. Make sure you like the show, write a review, share it with somebody, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye.